Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Ah. Welcome back to The Cottage. We'll steer on our series on Joel chapter 2 with connections into Acts chapter 2. And now we want to go to Ephesians chapter 2 to talk about verse 22's the habitation of God. We continue talking about Joel. The threats uh, was the immediate threat in chapter 1 that caused the imminent threat where they repented and they're turning toward God and they were renewed. To the point that they become renewers in renewing others and bringing that the forgiven are bringing God's forgiveness to others. That mercy to the lost causes them to be found and justified while those who refuse will find justice. And we've been tying this to Joel chapter 2 to Acts chapter 2. We continued that this morning in Sunday school. So again, if you missed it, you need to take somebody out that was here. Because they should be all fired up from our Sunday school lesson. And Jesus talked about the Spirit coming upon him. And then Peter brings about this passage in Joel 2 about the prophecy being fulfilled where the Holy Ghost comes upon us. And Jesus went to Isaiah chapter 61 to talk about how it was fulfilled in his time. And we went last week to Luke 24. And the promise... In Luke 24, verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. What's happening in Acts chapter 2? What is happening in Acts chapter 2? Well, in Acts chapter 1 8, this is the promise. But you shall, again, this is what happens when Jesus is ascending now. He's been there for 40 days, and now he's going up and we know then 10 days later is Pentecost and the Spirit is going to come down. Jesus is going up and as it's going up, He's talking to the disciples, angels are talking to the disciples and it says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and then you shall be my witnesses both right here in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. So you need to go to Jerusalem and you need to wait there and the Holy Ghost is going to come and it comes at Pentecost. And we have similar language talking about how they're going to be witnesses to all the world. And it's very missional from Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. And it shall come to pass. There's that phrase again. In the last days. The same phrase that Peter is using. That points us to Joel 2. But Isaiah 2 is using the same phraseology. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Remember I did all that 
geography with you about how Jerusalem is actually the highest point in the world because it's where God put his name. And it was a connection point between Jerusalem, Zion, and the highest of heavens, God's throne. Since God is there at Jerusalem, then by virtue of God being there, it's considered the highest place on the earth, even though Nepal is, <laughs> Mount Everest. But in their mind, speaking from the standpoint of God, because God's throne is there and He's the Most High, it's the highest. And continuing Isaiah 2.2, 2, And shall be exalted above all hills, and all nations shall flow to it. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. All these people have come for this festival of Pentecost from all these nations all across the Mediterranean Sea. And these are the same nations listed in the table of nations, representatively, not the full list, of those listed in Genesis 10, ahead of the building of the Tower of Babel, where God dispersed everybody and divided their tongues. Now all nations are coming together because at Pentecost the Holy Ghost speaks so that through all those tongues everyone hears the gospel. It's a very missional minded passage that all nations will be touched at Pentecost. Isaiah 57 verse 19 says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, now we heal him. Through the lips of the gospel in Acts chapter 2, through that Holy Ghost speaking in all those different tongues, those who are far off and those who are near, far off geographically, that have come to Jerusalem, those that are near. Speaking of the disciples who spent, were with Jesus for three some years, that are near, close to Jesus, and beginning with them, and beginning at Jerusalem, but then to those far off. Those far off scattered across. See, each one of those 3,000 people are going to go home. And when they go home, they're going to take that Holy Ghost with them. And they're going to take and preach the gospel with them. They're going to preach the gospel with them. And I'm going to heal them. Bring healing to the nations, which is what the book of Revelation ends with. The healing of the nations has already started. Such that I ask you to pray for the persecution in Pakistan. Pray for the persecution in Nepal. Because the gospel is there. The nations are being healed with the gospel. To them that are far off, speaking of the Gentiles. They're going to go as Jews and go back to those Gentile nations and they're going to preach the gospel. And those who are far off. And we're going to find that this happens later on in the house of Cornelius because it begins at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Acts chapter 8. And those far off, the Gentiles, are even going to come in Acts chapter 10. Acts 2.17 And shall come to pass in the last days. Here we go again. That same phrase from Isaiah. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In Luke 4, Jesus said, the spirit is upon me. But Joel 2 says it's going to be on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, the old men, women, they're going to dream, dream, visions, young men, everybody. It's going to be for everybody, all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams, everybody. Later on in verse 39, Acts 2, 39, for the promises to you and to your children which may or may not be with them, because they're going to go home. And to all that are far off, right there is talking already about the Gentiles. It's going to be saved, starting in Acts 10, and we are saved because of it. 
Because we're not Jews. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. As many. God is calling on many to receive this gospel. Calling on the many. All around the world. They're going to disperse and go back to all these nations. And they're going to preach the gospel. The disciples are going to be dispersed from Jerusalem when Paul starts killing Christians. And they're going to have to go all across Judea to Samaria to the other ends of the earth. And biblically speaking, the ends of the earth were the Mediterranean Sea. All those nations listed in Genesis 10. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I'm going to Rome to ask money so I can go to Spain because that's the last nation listed in Genesis 10. In Genesis 10, the last nation mentioned is an Old Testament term that we would consider as Spain today. And Paul writes his letter to Rome to tell them, I want to take this gospel to Spain and I can only do it if you help me get there. Because that's a long way. And Paul understood that to be ends of the earth because he didn't know about America. He only knew Spain. America, I'm sorry, is not in the Bible. He only knew Spain. That was the furthest thing that the Bible, biblically speaking, for Paul, a person reading the Bible, Spain was the furthest name on that list and it hadn't been reached yet. And he says, I want to go to Spain and you're going to to pay for it. Because you were given the gospel. And why do we have missionary letter night? Why do we celebrate our missionaries here and on the map in the annex? Because they're carrying the gospel all around the world. Acts chapter 2 is all about missions. And it shall come to pass, Joel 2.32, there it is. That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Whosoever. Now at this point in Acts, they think it's only the Jews, but they're going to find out it's also in Acts 8 for the Samaritans. And then Peter and John have to go and put their stamp of approval. Yes. But then Cornelius in Acts 10 is going to open the doors. And at that exact time that Peter is doing Cornelius in Acts 10, God is preparing Saul to become Paul, and God is going to send Paul to those very ones, to the point that Paul, we don't have a record in the Bible that Paul ever went to Spain. We have a record in the Bible that Paul says, God's called me there. I want to go there and preach. And as far as we know, he probably did. We have nothing to say he didn't. But his letter to Rome is written. That is the book of Romans. It's a letter saying, this is the gospel that you received. All of that. But the front and the back says, the reason why I'm writing this is because I want you to pay for me to go to Spain. Because that's the end of the earth. That's the last place on the list. Of all those nations in Genesis 10, I've got to finish the last one. They didn't get the gospel yet. Whether he did make it and then came back and then Caesar beheaded him, we don't know. But that's what he went to Rome for. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. This is very missional minded. Joel is talking about mission. Because why? In Joel chapter 3, he's going to take all those people who got saved, the Peters, the John, the 3,000 at Pentecost, and he's going to go reach the rest of the world in chapter 3, preaching repentance. That's what Joel 3 is all about. That's why I haven't even read it because... It's right here in Acts chapter 2. Don't even need to go there because it's right here in Acts 2. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. He's coming. 
He's coming. Jesus is coming. <laughs> He's coming. That's the same thing I experience all the time. Jesus is from that part of the world. Anytime they tell you they're coming, I'm coming. You're waiting. The meeting was at 2 o'clock. At 4.30, they're still coming. That's just how they roll over there. But it's patient toward you. Who's slow, Peter's saying. Is it God slow? No. We're slow. The reason why he's the doctor and we're the patients. Because <laughs> he's got patience and we need it. <laughs> he's not slow. Peter says he's not slow. We are slow. God is being patient toward us. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, whatever. Whoever. Doesn't matter. The reason he hasn't come yet is because we haven't preached the gospel enough. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Many are the afflictions, but Lord, the Lord wants to deliver all, and He wants to deliver us all out of it. He doesn't want to leave anyone behind. Isn't that the American military? They don't want to leave anyone behind. Isn't that POWMIA? We don't want to leave anyone behind! Listen, God doesn't want to leave anyone behind! He doesn't want any. He knows how to do it. That deliver is safe. He knows how to save. The question is, are we preaching it? That's the question. Now we're going to go to the book of Ephesians to pull this out for you. You say, why did you spend all this time on Joel chapter 2? Because Paul does the very same thing in Ephesians. Now you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, but now that we've done Joel 2... Now that we've done Acts 2, I want to show you Ephesians 2 in a whole different way. Now you're going to read your Bible differently. You know these verses. You've been preached these verses a thousand times. But let's now look at it through the lens of Joel chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love. Remember, He doesn't want anyone. His great love, wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. We're together. Remember our Labor Day message, Labor Day night? We're with Christ. By grace are you saved. There it is, grace. And hath raised us up, what? Together. Again, our Labor Day message. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're with Christ. He's up there, we're down here. The Holy Ghost connects us. We talked about that connection between Jesus at the right hand of the Father praying, the Holy Ghost in us praying, and we're connected right there with Christ. That what? In the ages to come. There's many ages to come. He might show us the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Again, for by grace, we're in Ephesians 2, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works so that men should boast. And here we go, our Labor Day message. This is why I taught this on Labor Day. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Are we walking in what God has worked out on the cross? When God did the math, 
When you and I were a big minus sign and God brought Jesus to come down and he did the math and he reversed that minus sign and he made it a big positive sign. The big plus. God redid the math. And all we saw down here was negative and God came down and made it a positive. Supercharged us and turned the negative into the positive. God did the math. And he's asking how many negatives are out there that we need to bring God down into their life to turn them into the positive. The works that he has ordained for us. The same thing that he preached in Joel 2 that happened in Peter at Pentecost. He's asking of us this time. We've gone through these verses a thousand times. Go back to all these messages now and listen to them again. They're out there. Listen to our Labor Day night message. Go back through that and listen again. We're in Ephesians 2.11 now. That was verse 10. Wherefore remember. I'm trying to get you to remember now. What does Paul want them to remember? He's trying to take them back to Joel 2. He's trying to take them back to these other things. Now that I've taught you to remember. Now they're going to remember. That you in being in time past were Gentiles in the flesh. You were far off. You used to be Gentiles. You were Genesis 10. You were separated at Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. You worshipped other gods. You were called uncircumcised. You were not Jews. You did not believe in Yahweh. By that which is called circumcision. By the Jews they called you circum, uh, uncircumcised in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you... You, at that time, were without Christ. But at Pentecost, I saved those 3,000 so they could go out and they could tell you the gospel. And they came to Ephesus. We came, Paul. We came to Ephesus and we preached the gospel to you. Being aliens, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You didn't know God. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope and you were without God, yet still in this world. My mother has said it a million times. I don't know how they do it. How can you go through 24 hours on this planet and exist without God? It's hard enough with God. If God is for us, who can be against us? How in the world can you do it without God? But you did it without God. You were afar off. You were foreigners. You were strangers. You were aliens. You were disconnected. But Pentecost came and now you're not. Because you turned to God in Joel 2. You turned to God. You're not chapter 3 Joel. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus ye who made who were sometimes afar off are made nigh. By the blood of Christ that we just sang about. Power in the blood. Those who are far off are now brought close. Those who are outside are now inside. That's what Joel was talking about. Turn and come and be God's people again. And now you can experience Jesus. You're close. And that's what Pentecost was. People who were outside of Jerusalem, who came for the festival, who were far off in all those nations, who came. They were brought close to Jesus. And now God is their Father. And now we're all children of God. Children of the Most High. We're in Ephesians 2, verse 14. For He is our peace, Christ. 
who hath made both one, those who are far off and those who are close, the Gentile and the Jew, the uncircumcised and the circumcised. He brought them together. How? By the Holy Ghost. By new birth. The thing that Nicodemus could not understand. Born of water, yes, but also born of the Spirit, and as we talked about in Sunday school, fire. For He is our peace. How are we going to have peace with anybody in this world? It's only through Christ. The peace we talked about in Luke 24 when we did communion last Sunday. Remember we talked about that? See how all this comes together? Are you bringing all of this together? For he's our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between what stood between us. Having abolished in his flesh, Christ's flesh, he abolished the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of the twain one new humanity. So making peace that he might reconcile both those who are far off and those who are near unto God in one body, the body of Christ, which I have been preaching at you. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the body of Christ. One body, which you'll talk about in chapter 4. By the cross. All that negativity. Someone asked me, how could I marry someone from the other side of the world? Because God came down. Once my wife became a Christian and God entered her life, then I can marry. No problem. The negative became positive. He canceled it all. We are one humanity now. And that he might reconcile both into God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. The cross, the negativity. We're one. Verse 17, we're still in Ephesians 2. And came and preached peace. There's that peace we talked about again on Luke 24. To you, you Ephesians, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. Remember all those Pharisees I said in Acts chapter 6 that get saved? For, and Saul in Acts 9 that get saved? The guy that used to eat Christians for breakfast? For through him, Christ, we both have access by one spirit. See how it was. Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And now I have come to give you the spirit. And by Jesus and that one Holy Ghost, we become the children of God. Going back to John 3, new birth, which takes us back to John 1, 12. That he has caused us to become children of God, sons and daughters of the Most High. For through Him, Jesus, we both, I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, we both now are one by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost that came at Pentecost unto the Father. And came and preached peace unto them that were far off and to them that were nigh. There it is again. The same thing we just read. We keep reading about the far off and the nigh. And he brought it all together. And he talked about this all throughout the prophets in the Old Testament. He said he was going to do it and he did it. He said in Joel chapter 2 he's going to do it and he did it. This is why Peter Paul's from Joel 2 and Acts 2. Because he said he was going to do it. Which is also what Isaiah is saying. What Jeremiah was saying. What they were all saying. The Spirit. 
Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit. We always talk about Ephesians 2, and we talk about Jesus, saved by grace. Jesus, 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 yes. But there it is. Paul's also talking about the Holy Ghost. We don't ever talk about the Holy Ghost. That's what them Pentecostals do. Paul's talking about the Spirit here. Verse 19, we're in Ephesians 2. Now therefore, hello, therefore, now that you got the first 18 verses, now that you got Pentecost, now that you got Joel 2, now that I've given you all this background, therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, the household of God, the saints, the holy ones, all those things we read about in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, all those things up there, they're the holy ones. The King James translates it saints, but it's talking about the holy ones. All those heavenly beings. All of them. All the heavenly creatures. Even the ones that died that are up there. But also all those other heavenly creatures. We're fellow citizens with them in the kingdom of God. And of the household of God. The household. Isn't this the house of God? No, this is the house of God. You house God in you. And you're going to take God with you when you leave here. You're going to breathe God in every Sunday and you're going to breathe God out on Monday. And breathe God in on Wednesday and you're going to breathe Him out on Thursday. The household. The household. There's that old song by Steve Green. We'll build the house. Hold faith. This is the faith. The household. The building. This is why I took you to 1 Corinthians 3. Look at this. He's going on. We're in 2.20 of Ephesians now. Now are you getting all this together? And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all, all, all the building... I need all of it, east and west. I need the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole, not just your blood, not your DNA, not your race. No, 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 the human race. In whom the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple. The holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also builded together for an habitation of God. How? How? Through the Spirit! Oh my goodness. There he goes talking about the Holy Ghost again. Yeah. Not me, Paul. (laughs) Not me, Paul! Your Ephesians 2 that you're always talking about. For grace are, are you saved. Are built on the foundation of Apostle and Prophet Jesus Christ himself being the chief current and in the building grows into the holy temple and the Lord whom you are so builded together together what we did on Labor Day together for an habitation which is another word for building of God through the Spirit you what did I take you Ephesians 3 you are God's fellow workers he's going to use you Yes, sometimes the quarterback scores and crosses the line. But not every time. 
Not every time. One of the things I'm noticing about football, uh, soccer at, at, at Mississippi Valley, when they pass the ball, they have a better chance to score. God has given you the ball. I keep telling you, God has said, tag, you're it. Jesus came with the Holy Ghost, but then he tagged you and says, you're it, I'm going home. You are my body. You are God's field. You are God's building. That's what God is building, the kingdom. He's building you. And they're not here. Why? Because God is slow? Not what Peter said. Because we're slow. That's what Peter said. That's what Peter said. Field, a return to Edenic language. Remember we talked about that in Sunday school in Joel 2? He talks about Eden. You are God's garden. You are God's field. What do you do with the ground? You, it produces life. God is producing life out of you. feed the world. You're God's field. You're Eden. You're the garden of Eden again. Then it became the tabernacle, which was a temporary dwelling. That as we travel the sod. Then we came to the language of the temple, and we did that at Sunday school. The fire was there at the temple when Solomon built the temple. The building, God's temple, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Onto the temple where there's more permanence. God was with them wherever they walked. Wherever Abraham went, he stopped. There was a tree. God was there with him. Life was there. Then we built the tabernacle with Abraham. And then they're carrying around the tabernacle. And they're moving a tent from place to place. But then he settled on Jerusalem. And Solomon built the temple. More permanent. But it points to our everlasting dwelling. When the Lord comes in heaven and on earth become one in the end. Like the book of Revelation teaches that we have nothing else more because it's God and us as one in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Read the final chapters of Revelation. Read about the temple and the healing of the nations that we just talked about in Isaiah 2. It's right there in Revelation at the end of your Bible. Right there, what Isaiah, we just spoke about Isaiah. Read your Bible. Put it all the pieces together. Don't you know don't you know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple you are you are God's temple you're the church not these pews not this building not 98 Cottage Avenue but you the address John three sixteen. That's your address. The habitation of God. Wherever two or three come together, the habitation of God. The habitation. You are God's building. You are where God wants to be. Wherever you go, God wants to be. If you go to Walmart, God wants to be there with you. And maybe there's somebody, as I keep saying in aisle 13, that needs God. And since God's already there with you, He wants you to go to aisle 13 and help that person. And God is trying to speak to us, but we've got 39,312 notifications on Facebook to distract us. And God is trying to say, but I got somebody in aisle 13 at Walmart. And I need you to go there. 
That's why you forgot your eggs. And you had to go back to Walmart. So you can get your eggs while you're back at Walmart. But while you're there, don't forget aisle 13. I need you to reach that person. The lady in front of you that's taking forever might be because the lady behind you needs Jesus. The one who can't find her checkbook, the one that keeps running everything, and you're like, my gosh, this lady's taking forever. It may be because the person behind you needs Jesus. I mean, what else you got to talk about? The National Choir? <laughs> Stand in front of the National Choir and say, hey, how are you? <laughs> you are God's habitation. And wherever you go, Jesus goes. And he wants to use you just like he did at Pentecost. That's Joel chapter 3. Walmart, aisle 13. That's Joel chapter 3. That's where you and Joel 2 got saved so that you and Joel 3 go reach the next one that's going to get saved. At Walmart in aisle 13. That's how it works. We are God's habitation. You. You. Don't you know that you we're all waiting on God? Flip it. God is waiting on you. Father, we thank you for this powerful word. We just pray that we receive it to understand who we are and what you want to do with us as you labor with us. And we continue to celebrate Labor Day even today. As you want to do a labor in our life, a labor of love in our life, then use us to share your gospel with others. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. But you're excited about who you want to be through us and in us. Because you want to walk with us and talk with us and do everything with us. You love us that much. You want to be a part. And any negativity in this world, we just bring God, you, into the situation and it becomes a positive. Help us to be more positive. And bring about you in any situation that we allow you to habit every part of our lives. Such that we become the habitation of you wherever we go. Even though we walk to the valley shadow, you're with us. No matter what negativity we find, we will also know that it is our habit that wherever there's a negative, you are going to turn it into the positive. Because you want to dwell with us. As you walked with Abraham, as you walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, as you moved about in the tent with Moses, and as you planted your building with Solomon in the temple, you walk about with us wherever we go. This is not your church where we're sitting right now. No, we are your church. And as we leave this place this morning, you go with us. And we are your church all over. Doing what you call us to do in Acts chapter 2 and Joel 2, which leads to Joel 3 in taking this gospel to the nations that they may hear of who you are through our stories of how you moved in our midst. Let us tell our stories and our testimonies of how we've been tried to the fire only to find that you shined in those moments to give that light to those who are experiencing their present darkness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. 
You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.